What's up, my good peoples? Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're talking about ideas that stimulate wholesome thinking into identity, purpose, vision, and action. I am James Anderson, and with me is Logan Eaton, my good bro. What's happening? Not much. Just sitting here doing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Trying not to let the outside freeze in. Yeah, it is terribly... Terribly miserable over here outside. <laughs> last week or the last podcast, it was what did I say? It was like negative, negative twenty. This week it's negative one hundred and twenty. So <laughs> it's definitely not getting closer to spring. Uh, I know it was, it was the in the fifties yesterday for us. Yeah, just green with jealousy. <laughs> green with jealous rage. <laughs> Is that is that the rage color? Is that green? That's the Hulk. Super green. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's it is very frozen over here. Mm. One or two? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first one. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Nice. Well, today we're going to continue on um, on our uh, case study on leadership. Today, I think we're going to call this this bad boy a, a tale of two leaders because um, what we got is two very different approaches to leadership and two very different results uh, from each style. And so uh, last week or last episode, rather, we were talking about, right, Samuel was getting old, put his two sons in charge, the elders of Israel like, whoa, whoa, let's not do that. Instead, let's put a king over us. Samuel's like, bro, it's not a great idea. They're like, no, let's do it anyways. God gave him a big list of like why that was a bad idea, and they went for it. Anyways, so, bam, so Saul gets anointed king, and... uh and that's kind of where we're picking up today is um, we actually kind of find out Samuel gives us some insight into why the, why the elders wanted a king in the first place. And that's because this guy, uh, Nahash from uh, the king of the uh, Ammonites, this guy kind of comes and sets up camp against a territory in Israel and they saw this coming, and this is why they wanted a king. And so I don't know if it's just because they're like, oh, my gosh, Samuel's sons aren't going to be able to handle this or what, whatever. And, um, yeah, so Saul kind of gets an initiation into, you know, his role as king. And, uh, yeah, so, bam, that's where we're starting. So we're in First Samuel 11. So let's break into this. Then Nahash the Amorite, Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh uh, said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach. 
reproach on Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days that we may send messengers to all the territories of Israel, and then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers uh, came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people, and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field, and Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took the yoke of ox and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with us, go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so shall be done to his ox." <clears throat> And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. When he numbered them at Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow by this time, when the sun is hot, you shall have help. So the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you will do to us whatever seems good to you. I think talking to uh, the the Ammonite. So it was on that day that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Saul, Who is it who said that Saul shall not reign over us? Bring the men that they may be put to death. But Saul said, Hey, let's not do that. (laughs) Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let's go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace, sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So this is interesting, right? So Saul just gets anointed king, and and um and bam so we've got this uh um we got this situation right uh Nahash the Amorite comes against Jabesh Gilead and uh and so it's just interesting Jabesh want the you know the people of of Jabesh were like hey man let's uh let's make a covenant right like let's not fight let's not uh why don't you don't kill us all Instead, let's make a covenant and we'll serve you. <clears throat> because the Phil- like like we'll find out later, like the Philistines are already in some of the territories of Israel. And so I don't know, maybe it's not a big deal to have somebody else like rule over you, but it's like, hey, that'd be better than being dead. But this guy was like, Yeah, fine. Like you we can make a covenant as long as I can put out everybody's right eye to bring reproach on Israel. So I looked up this word reproach, right? This is a thing that makes the failings of someone or something more apparent. (laughs) 
Like, like that's a fun word right there. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, all right, you guys want to be a bunch of babies about this? It's like, sure, you can serve us, but we're going to put out your right eye so everybody who sees you knows that you're a giant failure, right? And your nation is stupid. Like that's that's like the mindset of this uh, Ammonite. So you know, uh, so the so the, which is this is super interesting because then the people were like, "Hey, give us seven days to send out messengers to go tell everybody else in Israel, and you know maybe people will come to our aid, and then we can have like a big war. But if nobody comes, you know, then you can do whatever you want." It's interesting that the guy consented to that, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it's like you know, I don't I don't know why. He would, you would consent to that. Like, I don't know why you would let somebody arrogance. else. Like, why, why would you let yeah. somebody run and get help? I don't, <laughs> Maybe pride or like arrogance or something. To- yeah, totally. <laughs> so the the messengers run out and um, and bam, Saul hears about it. So boom, like the the you know he he gets the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he gets pissed, right? He's like, you, cause this is like a decently offensive message. Like, Hey, yeah, we'll, 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 you can make a covenant, but we're going to poke out all your right eyes. And, um, <clears throat> so Saul gets, gets ticked, right? And he, he cuts up his oxen and sends out all the body parts throughout the, the territory. <laughs> and says, you know, whoever, uh, doesn't come out, this is what's going to be done to your oxen. And uh, yeah, so we got like this kind of like this this strong, like kind of high, you know, there's a bit of a consequence, like fear kind of based uh, approach to rallying up the people. But what this is, is like, this is like an initiation into leadership. You know, and it's like, <clears throat> I just kind of thinking about this concept of like being a a, a new leader, you know, or becoming a leader in a new place, you know, and it's like, one of the things like you want to do is like, one, you want to kind of like, you want to get the lay of the land if you come into a a new position, right? Maybe you got a new job, new school, uh, new community, whatever, right? You, you want, you want to solve some kind of problem, Right, you want to kind of demonstrate that you're there to add value, because that's the thing that's going to help increase or or really start to begin to grow your influence. Right, so it's like if you're in a new place, you start meeting with the people, you start getting the lay of the land. You, you you're like, what's what's working well, what's not working well, because you're looking for like one, where are the places that that you can add some value, where are the places that you can go and you can help and solve some problems, and then two, it's like. Maybe you find some low-hanging fruit, like some problems that people have that they've had for a while, can't figure out how to get rid of, but you could solve them like pretty quick. Like as you look for those things, find them, and then start adding some value, it's like that's the thing that's going to start to grow your influence. And that's what this initiation is really for Saul, this, this first... Uh, battle 
And you see that at the very end where the people were like, hey, you know, when when Saul first got anointed king, there was people who were like, ah, this guy's not going to save us. He shouldn't be king. And now these people are like, hey, let's go find those guys and kill them. Right. Because like now there's like they're starting to create this kind of loyalty because Saul's come in, had a problem, and then he came in with courage, with action and solved that problem. And so, bam, he starts to grow in a little bit of influence. Yeah, I, I just, I think the the initiation piece of it, like I don't think Saul had really been, um, estab- you know, like truly established as a leader or a king yet because he was coming back essentially from what probably was his job or his work, you sure. know, just doing his, doing whatever. And then then the, the problem was kind of the commencement into kingship or uh, a, a status of you know leader or influencer or whatever but yeah it was just it was just kind of interesting that he was made king and other people made him king but then it was like everyone went back and did their own thing totally. and even Saul was just like going <laughs> going and you know working with his ox and doing whatever and it wasn't until there was an issue that came up that that was like okay yeah this is why we wanted this person was to go out and fight our battles so here's your chance and he you know, he obviously showed up and took the initiative and, um, you know, was inspired to, to help lead the people. Um, but yeah, it was, then it was, I was thinking too, it was just interesting that like he cut up his oxen, which is like back then, like probably how you like grew your food. Totally. Like it was, they probably used the oxen to grow your food. So the equivalent today might be like cutting up your refrigerator, <laughs> burn, burn your truck. <laughs> 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 take the take, cut up your refrigerator and send all the pieces out. <laughs> Nobody gets a refrigerator unless you show up. So it was just yeah, that that part was just I was thinking about that when you read that, but but yeah, just interesting that he just kind of everyone went back. They they made him king, and everyone kind of it seemed. I mean, I don't know, but it seemingly seemed like everyone went back to doing their thing, and even Saul went out and just was kept doing his job or whatever. And yeah, and then a problem showed up. So I think it's like. You know, you find true leaders when problems start to arise. Sure. Absolutely. Totally. So, in, in, uh, so Saul says, no. So Samuel says, hey, let's go. You know, you've got Saul solved this. We solved this problem. People are pumped. People are, you know, because they're like, this was the decision we made. Oh, this is a good decision. Everybody gets pumped. Who, who, who badmouthed Saul before? Let's kill him. Like, people are like ready to go, right? So Samuel takes this and he's like, all right, well, hey, let's go, let's go reestablish Saul as king, right? Now that everybody's on board, we've all kind of got a taste of it. Let's go back, reestablish it, and, uh, you know, kind of, this could be like a better foundation to build off of. Only this like Samuel lays into them one more time about how stupid <laughs> yeah. this decision was. <laughs> so <laughs> and there, you know, there's this uh, sign from God, everybody freaks out. And uh yeah, so let's get into this. So this is first Samuel twelve. So so Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now 
Here is your king walking before you. And I am old and gray-haired. And look, my sons are with you. They're like, I have. I know. (laughs) 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 I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Right? This is like, this is like, he's moving towards this farewell speech. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? And I will restore it. And they said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hands. Then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you. And his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone to Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hands of the Syrians, commander commander of the army of Hazar, into the hand of the Philistines, into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against him. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Baden, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of Amorites, came against you, you said to me, No, but we will have a king reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here's the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. Emphasis on the you. And take note. The Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and your king who reigns over you will continue to follow, will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. All right. So this is interesting because one, right, we're reiterating like this was a bad decision, but nonetheless, this is what you want. So this is what God gave you. But like, this is the king that you chose, which is interesting, right? Like Saul is the, is, is, is the outward appearance of what these people wanted. And so he's like, all right, bam. This was dumb, but here we are. But so in verse 14, this is just is interesting because the rules are still the same. But now you have this added unnecessary layer of uh, a human king, right? So in 14 it says, if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you 
and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. Nothing changed. He's like he said, every problem that Israel's ever had coming out of Egypt was the byproduct of the people walking away from God. It wasn't that they didn't have like a physical king. It was that the people wandered away. And it was it wasn't until they came back to God that then he he sent somebody to deliver them, right? Which is like the whole book of Judges. So it's like, all right, so then this uh, Ammonite guy comes up against Israel and bam, they're like, oh my gosh, we need a king. But that's not the problem, right? The, the problem, <laughs> whenever they have a problem, it's the fact that they were rebelling against God. So <clears throat> the rules stay the same, but now you've got this added layer of a king who, like Samuel laid out, you know, is going to take all your stuff. You're going to serve him. He's going to take all your people. He's going to take your donkey. Or, you know, he's going to take a, he's going to take your fields. He's going to take your wine. And so you have all this unnecessary, you have this whole nother like complicated layer that's totally unnecessary. But then like what you owe God, everybody still owes God. Uh, that's just, that's interesting. All right. So then, um, yeah, so then how, let's see. Uh, yeah, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord and rebel against his commandments, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Like your your king's not going to change like the, the, the rules and the consequences. Like this, this is, yeah. All right, so then in 16 is where it gets real. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking for a king for ourselves. So this is interesting. Right, so we just had the initiation. People are like, you know, oh yeah, this is exactly what we wanted. We wanted a, a man to rule over us because he was going to come and fight our battles. And that's kind of kind of seemingly what happened. So you got people like pretty convinced that like, hey, you know, having a, a king was a good idea. But then here it's like it it really gets reinforced that this was not a good idea. And that's yeah. you know, this is not even really what happened. And so God, you know, so Samuel calls and and God sends uh what's he saying? Lightning? Rain. That's thunder and rain. And the people freak out. But it's interesting that it's like that sign wasn't the like the sign that was given when they first asked for a king. Like, you know, he's like, he didn't say, like when they're like, hey, we want a king. Like Samuel's like, oh, dang, that's not good. Went to God. God's like, all right, heed their voice. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But heed them. Tell them this is what's going to happen. 
that's what he said in the beginning. It's interesting that he doesn't say this, right? He's like, um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, stand here and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes uh, so that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord and asking for a king for yourselves. Like, that wasn't like that is blunt and to the point, right? There's no, there's no confusing that that was a bad idea. But this isn't, this isn't what he, this isn't what he says, and this isn't what he does when they first ask for a king, right? It kind of goes back to that, like, hey, here's the information. You want it? Like, yeah, it's up to you, man. You make a decision. It's not a good one. Yeah. And so it's like now that it's done. Here's the reinforcement of how bad that idea was. And just the order of that is very interesting. Bam. So then the people say to say, oh, oh yeah, then the people say to Samuel after that experience, well, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins and the evil uh, sins, the evil of asking for a king over ourselves. And Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Right? Like the, the <laughs> It's like it's not even complicated and it's not even crazy. It's like, just don't turn aside into these empty things, which for reals can't help you. There's no principles. There's no habits. There's nothing of value in following these made up things that take you away from like true function uh, of life. Like that's like the main picture. Like it's not even that complicated. <laughs> Anyways, for the Lord will not forsake his people, and here's why, for his great namesake, because it, it pleased the Lord to make you his people. And then here's where, like, Samuel, his attitude really changes, right? Like, he, like this compassion comes over him, because he's like, in 23, he's like, Moreover, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wick wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. <laughs> Bam. So that's where we're at. We're at the Nixon, a, a bit of an initiation. They reestablished the king, also reestablished that was a bad idea. And now, now we're going to kind of see some of Saul's true colors. <laughs> How would you like to just be able to, like, call call a sign, <laughs> call, call for a sign? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There's always a chance for a discerning decision to be made. Like God always gives a chance for discernment to be had. Sure. Um, like at the beginning, like he he 
I don't know. Yeah, it's like there wasn't there wasn't maybe a sign in the beginning because it was an opportunity to see who would be discerning enough to say, you know, whatever, or it, it give the people a chance to use discernment and and wisdom and thought to, you know, maybe realize it's a bad idea before this, you know, the before they commit. And then there's this this sign or whatever that shows them it was a bad idea. <laughs> So like, yeah, there's just, I guess when you're just like making decisions or when we're making decisions, maybe just look for the opportunity for discernment instead of going to like, okay, I need a, a uh, you know, a signal that this, I'm going in the right direction because it might be too late to, the signal might be, you already chose the, you're already on the wrong direction, but like always look for an opportunity to use discernment when making decisions because it's. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, God gave them an opportunity to just use their, you know, human thought that he gave them the power of thought and the power of their brain to discern what they're saying and doing. And, uh, yeah, so it's, I guess, I guess maybe, I guess that's what I was thinking there is like discernment and thinking through a situation is extremely important instead of just rushing irrationally right into something. Sure. Because the sign you get might be the sign that you already chose the <laughs> wrong path. Yeah, the sign you don't want. <laughs> yeah. But it would be sweet to just say, hey, <laughs> no blizzard. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign. Oh, man. All right. So, bam. So here's, here's we're going to get into some more. Um, we're going to get into some uh, some more challenges. And we'll be able to kind of break some of this stuff down. So here in uh, chapter 13, it says, uh, So Saul reigned for a year, and uh, after that he reigned for two years, because two typically comes after one. Then Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash, and in the mountains of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. All right, so bam, it's already begun, right? What's the king going to do? He's going to take your people. He's going to have them, you know, for his military. He's going to have them for his servants. And so, all right, it's two years in, and Saul takes 3,000 men, 2,000 to be with him and two and 1,000 to be with the, his son, Jonathan. All right, so then Jonathan attacks the garrison of the Philistines that was in Gibeah, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines, and now Israel had become an abomination to the Philistines, and the, and the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. All right, so Jonathan attacks a garrison of, of Philistines that were in his area. And the Philistines heard about it, and so they're, they're going to come and bring their army, and so Saul blows the trumpet. Now, in, I'm, I'm typically reading in the NIV, oh, sorry, in the New King James, but in the NIV, when I read it one time, it was like it it sounded like a super weak call. Let me find it real quick. Uh 
Oh yeah, let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul's attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. So the people were summoned. Like it kind of to me, it kind of reads like a like a like a oh crap. What what did John do? Kind of kind of call. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's never a call to arms that you want to give out. Like a a, a weak and scared call. I, right? I guess here we go again. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Then the Philistines gathered to fight with Israel. Thirty thousand chariots, six thousand horsemen, and people. Uh, as numerous as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of beth Evan. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, thickets, rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews even crossed... Oh, no... And some of them even crossed over the border to to get out of there, right? So this is like because this is why I think like this um, this call was so weak. It's like the Philistine army was massive, and so now they kind of pissed off the army who had military in the Israel territory. So they show up like full force, ready to rock and roll. And so the people are like, oh, my gosh, this is not good. And so everybody runs. You know, they're hiding. I mean, you gotta, it's, you got to be pretty scared to go hide in a hole, you know. And one, <laughs> one, you know, one, one of the translations, it's like in like a cistern, like in a well. Like you got to be pretty terrified to jump in a well. <laughs> yeah. So so as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed, and all the people that followed him tr- were trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me, and he offered the burnt offering. Now, it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together in Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now the kingdom shall not continue. And the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept the commandment of the Lord. Then Samuel arose, went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Right, so he's got six hundred men. Now, remember, he was supposed he he took three thousand with him, right? It was supposed to be two thousand with him, one thousand with Jonathan. And so, I don't know who all came once the call went out, 
because a ton of people took off. But then also the people that like were initially with him were mostly scattered. All right, so Saul is is waiting to have this um, this offering. Right, so Samuel tells him, "Hey, in seven days, I'm gonna show up, and then we're gonna have this uh, offering." All right, well, you know, all the while while they're waiting, everybody's freaked out, like nobody knows what to do, and everybody's leaving. Right, so morale is like incredibly low, and so, you know, the time's coming. It's been seven days. You know, Samuel should be here any minute. You know, but he's he's delayed in coming. It says he didn't come, but he does come. So he didn't not come. But they don't have cell phones. They don't carrier pigeons, maybe. I don't know, you know. Like he can't call, like, hey man, I'm I'm still I got another like five miles to walk, right? Like he <laughs> can't, you know, he's it's not easy to communicate like that. So, anyways, but this is like an opportunity, right? Like you get a little bit of, of, of pressure. What comes out, right? If you, you squeeze somebody a little bit, what comes out yeah. when you squeeze them, right? Because this, yeah. this, this, this situation is, is, is a bit of a, a squeeze. It's, it's scary, right? I mean, for Saul, he didn't even attack the garrison his son did. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's leaving. What do you, you know, he, he, you know, how many books has he read on like leadership? Like, what do you do? You know, and you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to just kind of hang out there for seven days. And then it's like time keeps passing. You're looking at your watch. You're like, you know, looking down the road, waiting for Samuel to bend the corner, or, you know, come around the side of a tree. And like, there he is. And he's like, <laughs> not coming. And so, uh, so Saul offers the sacrifice, which he's not supposed to do. And it's interesting, you know, because he was like, I felt compelled. And I don't think he felt compelled. I think he was terrified that everybody was leaving and was like, yeah. how do I get people to stay? <laughs> Solve this problem right now, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that only created a bigger problem. Yeah. And it's yeah. like the consequence was pretty harsh. <laughs> it's like, bam. You're no longer like we would have. God would have established the kingdom over like your line, your family, forever. But because you did this, that's not the case. And now there's already somebody else picked out. It's like that's a quick. <laughs> <laughs> How long yeah. you've been thinking about that option? You know? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so so Saul makes this the sacrifice, and it was it was a bad move. But this is where we really start getting into the tale of two leaders. Because this is this is really where, where Jonathan starts to step in. So if we go back, right, like, so Saul grabs 3,000 men, and he takes 2,000 with him, and then he sends Jonathan with 1,000 men. So Jonathan ends up in... Um, Second, Jonathan ends up in uh, Gibeah, I think, or Gilgal. Hold on a second. Anyways, wherever he ends up, he ends up somewhere in Gibeah. And um, <clears throat> this is uh, this is super interesting because you know 
a, a job of a leader is it's 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 not just about putting out fires, right? Like you had uh, Nahash, the, the Ammonite, come up against Israel, right? And so Saul rose up and met that challenge. But he didn't initiate that challenge. Somebody else initiated it, right? And so he, so he rose up, fought it, bam, that was his initiation. But a leader's job is not meant to just put out fires. Like you're meant to have vision. You're meant to like have purpose. You're meant to think about like forward movement, like how, what are the problems that we have and how do we move, how do we move forward? And then you implement that plan and you start, you start making moves. So it's not just about putting out fires. Well, so, I mean, you know, Saul's just doing whatever, but Jonathan, Jonathan's territory, now I don't know about Saul's because it doesn't say, but in Jonathan's territory, he actually has a, a Philistine, like there's a, a military presence of the Philistines in Jonathan's territory. And so it's like, it's this concept of like, Jonathan is 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 like kind of on the ground and more in tune with the problems and the situations that are going on. Because who knows what this Philistine uh, military unit is doing, right? Like, are they oppressing the people? Are they stealing? Are they trying to be the governor of the land? You know, like, you know, I don't I don't know what these guys were doing there, but they they had set up shop, which is why like the 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 Philistine army came full force. And so, yeah, so here's Jonathan kind of like in tune with like some of the problems. And then you have Saul, who's like seemingly not in tuned, not near like where a Philistine garrison is, right? Like, why would you want to go live where there was a enemy forces in your land, right? But the problem yeah. is, is like you become uh, like disconnected from, from, some of the situations that are going on that shouldn't be going on. And so you, 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 you can kind of overlook them and even forget about them. Like it just doesn't seem like a big deal, but for Jonathan, who's maybe more, you know, kind of who's, who's closer to the whole situation. He's like, no, this is a big deal. Like in my position, calls for responsibility that I protect my people from this like foreign military force that's in my territory. And so John takes action and then, then comes out this call like, Oh my gosh, you know, Jonathan <laughs> did this and this is bad. But to Jonathan, man, I, it, this isn't bad. This is like, this is what you do as a leader. You protect your people, you move forward. You know, I mean, like I heard it said, it's like, the reason you wage war is because you seek a greater peace. And it's like this foreign military force, like, is hindering peace. So Jonathan sets out to rectify that. And so, bam, so now we have, but now we have this conflict. And so, let me find it here. Okay, bam. So... Uh, yeah, so Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road of Orpha to the land of Shual, 
Another company turned to the road of Beth Horan, and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now, there was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the, the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen all their, uh, their plowshares, mattox, axes, and sickles. And the charge for sharpening was a pim for the plowshare and the other ones. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. All right, so, you know, the Israelites are not doing much. And um, and so, you know, the Philistines start sending out these uh, raiding parties to go attack people and steal all their stuff, right? Because as we'll find out, like Saul's kind of like a, a wait-and-see kind of guy. Like, hey, let's not... Um, Let's not make the first move. Let's just kind of see what happens. So it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was worried an effort, but the people did not know that Jonathan had left. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side, and I think these rocks are like um, cliffs. And the name of one was uh, Bozaz, Bozaz, and the other was whatever. Then the front of one faced northward opposite of Mishmash, and the other the southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let's go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you. Then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord will deliver them into our hands, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you something. (laughs) What what do you got up there? (laughs) Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came 
And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within like a half an acre. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it w- there was a very great trembling. All right. So there's not much going on, right? Saul's just kind of chilling, right? It says like he was he was sitting underneath a pomegranate tree, right? Kind of like the, hey, let's just kind of wait and see um, what's happening. Well, Jonathan, right? This is a tale of two, two, two different leaders. Jonathan thinks like, hey, let's, he has this idea. He's like, well, let's not just sit here and do nothing. Like, let's, let's go see what God will do kind of concept. <clears throat> and so he just, he just, him and his armor bearer, right? They're not telling anybody else. He's not going to his dad. Why? Because everybody's terrified. Nobody's taking any action. Nobody's got courage. So he's just like, hey, me and you, let's go check out this garrison over here. And, that is, and this is why, right? Because his armor bearer is like, Psh, let's, let's roll, man. Whatever you want to do, I'm with you. So these two, they don't tell anybody, they just take off. And his whole approach, man, is super interesting because because Jonathan's like, all right, talking to his armor bearer. He's like, like, well, one, his mentality is like, look, God can save by many or by few, like the number doesn't matter. Jonathan was there when, when Samuel was like, hey, this is a bad idea having a king because God's your king, right? You guys think this person's going to go out and fight your battles. You guys are wrong. God's the one who goes out and fight your battles. Jonathan's there, right? Jonathan's hearing all these things. So this Samuel's word is like ringing in his ears, right? Like God is the one who goes before you. And so John's thinking, look, man, it, like we don't it, whether it's by many or by few, like it's not a problem for God. So let us, let us go put that to the test. Like he's got this word that's creating faith mixed with this idea, and that faith is like, yes, this idea is the right idea. Lest you and me go freaking do something. And so they go. Now, his attitude is legit, right? Because he's like, all right, if they look at us and they say, hey, we'll come down to you, like we'll know that's not that, that's, that wasn't from God. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we'll go up because God has for surely given them into our hands. This is interesting because like you would think that it's like, if you were looking for a sign, you would want it to be like obvious, right? In, in the sense, like the, you, you would want like the, the, I don't know, like the, the better position you would, you know, like, for the Philistines to say like, "Hey, we'll come down, we'll come down to you." That seems like it would put Jonathan and his armor bearer in a better position, and it seems like the Philistines would be less likely to say that, right? So it's like it, it, it's so like if like uh, what's his bucket, Gideon, right? Gideon asks asks for a sign, and he said, "All right, I'm going to put this fleece on the ground at nighttime," and he's like. 
I want, you know, I want the, the ground to totally be covered in dew, but this fleece that's on the ground to not be covered in dew, right? Like that's not a normal occurrence. If it's on the ground and there's dew on the ground, there's going to be dew on whatever's on the ground, right? So that's like, that's like a really, uh, clear, obvious, like, Hey, that's an unnatural thing to happen. Right. And then he asked for it again. He's like, just do on the fleece and then not on the ground. All right. So that's kind of obvious, but Jonathan, right. He's picking like the, here's what's most likely to happen. What is most likely to happen is that the Philistines are going to say, Hey, come up to us because that gives you the better like advantage. But that's, but this is, this is Jonathan's attitude, right? Like he's, Jonathan's not a wuss, man. This guy's like, no, we got this. So he picks the more likely option that the Philistine, that the Philistines would say. And he said, that's going to be our sign. This, I love this guy right here. All right. So, so that's what happens. They go and they just show themselves, right? They're like, the Philistines are up, like up this hill, this cliff or whatever. And uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer just walk out in the open and just kind of stand there. And the Philistines see them. They're like, hey, man, come up here. Let, let us show you something, you know? We got the, we got the newest uh, ox version. <laughs> the newest model of candy. the ox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so Jonathan's pumped. He's like, all right, man, this is it. This is the sign. God's with us. Let's go get some. So... They have to literally climb up this mountain. It says on like, like their hands and feet, right? Like it's super steep. So, I mean, again, you think about like Jonathan's attitude because one, there's just Jonathan and his armor bearer. So two people and there's about 20 people up there. And so not only are they outnumbered, but Jonathan and his armor bearer literally have to climb up a, like a hill, right? Like they're not going to take like... They don't get like a five minute break by the time they get up there. It's like things are going to go off. So, but this is their attitude, right? They're like, no, man, I got, the, I got the stamina. I'm going to take the hard path while my enemy just stands there and watches. And then I'm going to go up there and freaking destroy them. This is Jonathan's mentality. And his poor armor bearer, man, if he's actually bearing the armor of Jonathan, like <laughs> <laughs> that guy's really getting some exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they go, they climb up to the top and bam, they kill 20 of these guys in like the space of a half an acre. Now here's where it gets really interesting, right? Because Jonathan, this is like, he has this idea, right? And it's, it's like, it lines up with the word of Samuel that says, no, man, God's going to go out before you. He's got this stuff cooking. He's just got this fire inside of him. And he says, no, let's roll. So, they go and they take action. They don't tell anybody because you don't need anybody. Like, <laughs> like if you're going to go do something crazy, like you don't want to go to all the scared people and be like, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and then like get all this <laughs> negative input, right? Yeah. Because like the, it doesn't take too much. It's like you're trying to like, you've got this seed, you've got this idea, you're trying to cook it up. You don't want to pour like battery acid all over it. Like you don't want somebody to come and like with weed killer, <laughs> you know, in like your your garden of courage to like break all that junk down. I think the second thing too, it's like, so one, you don't want to go and get like advice from people who don't have the courage to move forward Two, 
speed of action on an idea like this is probably kind of necessary because you don't want to leave too much time for your own mind to start thinking negative thoughts, right? Like <laughs> you, you don't want to be the one that pours battery acid on these sweet ideas and then bam, now you're off the path because, you know, you just took too long and the idea expired. Yeah. So it's like, they just like, bam, let's just go. Me and you, let's roll. And he's like, all right, let's roll. <clears throat> And the byproduct, though, is they, they go up, they destroy the, the Philistines, and then God responds to this, like, act of faith and courage. And now the entire Philistine, there's this, like, she, this panic and confusion that goes throughout the whole army. And then the freaking earth starts to shake. And everybody gets thrown into this confusion. And what starts happening is that all the Philistines start killing each other. This is the byproduct of two people. This massive army comes out. All of Israel come, I don't know, people come out from Israel. As soon as the army shows up, everybody's jumping in holes and caves, you know, burying themselves alive, like (laughs) (laughs) hiding inside of camels. And um, <laughs> and two people, Jonathan and his armor bearer, take action, and God responds and sends this great panic over everybody in the Philistine army. It's this is like that's legit. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess I just I don't have too many thoughts, you know, other than what you said. But it's just interesting that. Um, yeah, Jonathan didn't look for like approval for what he was doing. He he had this good idea and a plan in his heart and a vision to do it. And he he kind of just yeah, he didn't like ask his armor bear, hey, do you think this is a good idea? Or, you know, whatever. Ask his dad, hey, what do you think about this idea? He just kind of started taking action and making decisions and some of those decisions, you know, had to be made on the fly. Um which is fine, you know, it, it's it's fine, but it's like he knew that God would go before him and that trust kind of, you know, um, compelled him forward to just face whatever was going to come because he knew that God would go before him. He knew the idea was good and then just trusted that, you know, the decisions he would have to make would be would be made in, in, in um, with good intention. Yeah. So, yeah, because I don't know, everyone wants approval. Like you, you, can, uh, you have like a... An idea, or you know, I want to I want to travel here, or I want to go to school and study this, or I want to do a job of this, or whatever. And, and just like everyone, and like even in my life, or, you know, my in my past, it's just like I can't count how many times I I tried to seek out approval for justification to like build my confidence that oh okay yeah go in this direction or don't go in this direction or something where it, it's like approval and justification and confidence never. They're never, they were never meant to come from other people in the first place. Sure. But it's like when you don't have like the principles, right, of purpose or like the original intent of God, vision, planning, like, de- like the fact that you have a gift, you're meant to develop it and then serve it to the world. Like you're meant to come up, dream these dreams in God, and then turn those dreams into reality. I think without that information, it's like <clears throat> then you just you've you've just fit into the system, right? Because there's just a system, there's a current, there, you know, and you just yeah. kind of follow that system and that current. And so you're not thinking thoughts 
or, you know, you'll have dreams, like daydreams, and, like, you'll have these these inklings, which is, like, your potential rising up. But, like, if you never kind of find out, it's like, oh, no, those things are actually things you should pursue, you should cultivate, you should look into, right? Like, you should, um, yeah. yeah, really start to consider, to discern, you know, like, are, are these the things that you should get into? But it's like, if that's not a common, if that's not common, if it's, it's not, a, like, a familiar thing then sometimes you kind of just don't know what to do because it seems like if you'd follow that, it's so out of the normal that it feels wrong. It's like, that. I mean, is that even right? Like, yeah. You know, so it's like, <clears throat> yeah, that's like, I just think it's kind of like environmental conditioning to not think thoughts that grand or think of yourself yeah. that highly, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, I mean, I don't want to, may give the impression that it's not good to go seek wise counsel or, or wise advice, but it's like if you're if you're trying to seek, you know, confidence, you're trying to get confidence from somebody else's opinion or justification from somebody else's opinion, you can kind of go, you can, you might, yeah, you might be swayed a different way than what you're, what's deep down inside calling, you know, that's calling you out to, to do something. Totally. Absolutely. All right, so if we continue on here, all right, so bam, so Jonathan and his armor bearer kill these 20 guys, just 20 guys, two guys, 20 guys, done. And there was trembling in the camp and in the field and among the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that there was a very great trembling, right? Like there was the spiritual trembling, and then there was the earth straight up started to shake, and like the two just created massive confusion. Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away. And they went here and there, right? Like the the Philistine army is like totally confused. They're just like running in circles, like falling away, killing each other. And Saul said to the people who were with him, now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And so Saul said to Hijah, bring the ark of God. For at the time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priests that the noise with which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priests, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and the people who were with him all assembled, and they went to, ba- to battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, right? The Philistines were killing each other, and there was great confusion. All right, so let's just take a second. So Jonathan and his armor bearer take it upon themselves, got this idea, bam, initiate initiative based on faith and go and kill these Philistines. God responds. There's this massive confusion in the Philistine territory. They're melting away. They're killing each other. They're frigging running in circles. There's all kinds of just straight up like, I mean, if you're killing your, your fellow soldier, like you're, you've lost your mind. Right. And this is happening to everybody. All right. The people who see this happening from a long way away is Saul's watchman. Not Saul himself, it's his watchman because Saul is still sitting underneath the pomegranate tree waiting for something to happen. <laughs> so <clears throat> the watchman comes out like, bro, like Saul, man, things are going 
off, man. It's going crazy out there. There's this crazy, like, commotion. Something's happening, and we're not a part of it. So Saul's like, all right, bam, it's got to be somebody from us. Maybe somebody's done something, somebody's gone out there, whatever. So he's like, hey, find out who's missing. Oh, it's, it's John and his armor bearer. Oh, why are we even out there? Because of John. Look, man, John's got it. Don't even worry about it. So Saul's like, all right, bam, bring the ark. We're going to seek God. As soon as the ark gets there and the priest is doing whatever the heck he's doing, the commotion from the Philistine army is getting louder and louder. And so Saul's like, okay, let's let's forget that. Let's all just go out <laughs> there and kill them, right? Like Saul didn't even like consult God like beforehand, right? And it, it could have been because of, of the, the old botched uh, sacrifice and the negative word of like, hey, man, you're, you're, that was a giant mistake, and now the kingdom's going to get taken from you. All right, so you got all that junk cooking in your mind. I mean, that stuff will create a bit of a negative downward spiral, right? Maybe that's why he's just sitting underneath the pomegranate tree thinking about his word, right? Jonathan's focused on a different word. Yeah. And maybe Saul's focused on the fact that he lost the kingdom. So he's just sitting there waiting for stuff to happen. But he didn't he didn't seek he didn't try to seek God, right? Once he started hearing commotion, then he's like, okay, maybe we should seek God. Okay, no, it's too crazy out there. Maybe we should just jump in. Right? Like he's so out of the loop, he doesn't even know what to do. You know, it's like the 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 wait and see kind of approach. It's 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 kind of like we were talking about with like Jonathan, right? Like the speed in which you take action on on some of these ideas is kind of necessary. Otherwise, these ideas kind of expire and they disappear, and then you never get into them. Yeah, but so absolutely. So like the longer Saul just sits under the tree doing nothing, like the more you leave room to like think like all these negative thoughts, right? Like if you're just, if he's just sitting there, one, he's thinking, okay, bam, I'm, I lost the kingdom, but I'm still king. So you go to have some identity crisis, some role crisis, like, oh my gosh. Well, then you start thinking like, all right, this army that's coming up against us, man, is massive. It's massive. People as numerous as the sand on the sea. And like, I got 600 people. So now you start picturing all these negative scenarios, right? It's like, oh my gosh, these, these guys are going to destroy us. Oh, but they're not going to destroy me. They're going to capture me, and then they're going to torture me, right? Like, you just start, like, on a loop. You're just, like, running all these scenarios. You're picturing them coming in and invading you at night and, like, just all worst-case scenarios. Well, when this happens, right, you're, you're not you, – you're, your mind kind of gets, like, compartmentalized, right? And so all you can see is these negative situations. So you, you lose sight of your purpose. You lose sight of why you're there. Like, why are you even sitting under that pomegranate tree, right? It's because this army came up against you. It's like, what are you going to do about that? But you forget about that. You forget about, like, you have power. You forget that, you know, there's this thing called courage. You've, you know, you, you're not thinking about plans because you, you're, you're distracted by all these negative scenarios that are cooking. And that's, that's kind of what, what can happen when you when you do like the let's wait and see kind of approach like let's make a decision to not make a decision right like <laughs> but, yeah but it's like that that's that's not leadership like that is the point of leadership it's like you do seek 
forward movement. You do seek, you know, it's like, all right, this hey, I don't know what to do, but like we have to figure out how to do something. We got to get a yeah. couple of advisors in here. We need to freaking seek God. We need to do something to figure out what to do. But you don't necessarily think those thoughts when you're like, when your mind is just fully focused on all the negative scenarios that are going on. Here's all the challenges I have. Here's the stuff that's happening. Here's the bad communication. Here, you know, whatever's going on in your world, it's like sometimes it's like you don't want to confront any of that. And so you just kind of take the passive approach. But what happens is like, you know, it's just stuff yeah. starts to melt. Yeah. Yeah. So, bam. So there's this great confusion. People are out there. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard of the Philistines, heard the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth Avon. Right? So Jonathan's so you want to tell you you want to talk about like two different approaches to leadership. Jonathan's action rallied the people. Like people started coming out of their holes. They unburied themselves, came out of the <laughs> out of their camels and um and started to engage because Jonathan took action, right? Leadership isn't just about like delegation. It's about like literally walking up front, pushing things forward. And so Saul's kind of approach, it was everybody ran. Jonathan's approach, everybody's coming. So bam. So then it gets kind of even worse because this is super interesting. So in uh, verse 24, the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of his rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb. And he put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. So again, you, you kind of look at these two approaches, right? Jonathan's approach is like, he's going to go and take action. And so, and Saul's like more, I'm just going to kind of wait and see. Well, so Jonathan's more kind of in tuned with what's going on. He's more like in the, he's literally in the fight while Saul's not. 
So all this great confusion happens. First, he's going to seek God. That doesn't work. He's like, okay, let's just go get it. Now, Saul's approach to rallying the people was to make this, this uh, to put everybody under this oath, which was, cursed is anyone who eats food until evening before I had taken vengeance on my enemies. Jonathan's approach was like, hey, let's go get after it. Saul's approach was more like based on ego. Like, hey, nobody nobody eats anything until we avenge me of my enemies. Like, to make a statement like that, you really got to have the affection of your people. Right? For somebody to sacrifice, like, sustenance and fuel, especially in, like... I mean, in a time of war where you got your adrenaline cooking, I mean, that's just like, uh, who knows if how long they actually were like out there waiting for something to happen and how much food they had on hand, right? And so now they're in the Philistine camp. There's food everywhere, and um, but the people can't eat it. And so Jonathan, right? He. Was this is really funny? Is that Jonathan? Jonathan wasn't there to hear his father's oath, right? Because Jonathan was too busy like taking action and making things happen. So Saul makes this charge. But Jonathan didn't hear it, so he eats. He eats some of that honey, and bam, his countenance changed. Right, just a little bit of honey, like like, like brought back energy and life. And then the guy's like, "Oh, bro." You're not supposed to do that. And he's like, what? He's like, that's dumb, right? That's a decision made by somebody who's disconnected to the situation at hand. Like somebody who hasn't been fighting, who has had food, could probably say, hey, let's not eat. But to other people who are there, who are terrified, who are like, why are we even here? I'm hungry. And now this guy says I can't eat. Like, that's just going to cause a lot of problems. So, you know, on Jonathan's point too, he's like, look, man, the slaughter would have been even greater if people could have just freaking taken five minutes, eaten the bread they found on the ground, you know, cooked, you know, grabbed the meat, whatever. If they could have just ate of the spoil, like this, like everybody would be ready to rock and roll. So Saul's not really thinking about the people. He's just like, like his, in the, in his first initiation, right, he cut up his bulls and he sent them out. And that was kind of like this fear, power, kind of like um, motivation, you know, seeking to motivate the people. Well, here's like in his second attempt, and his second attempt is a total failure. So it says, <clears throat> now they driven back the Philistines that day from Michemash to Abidjalon. So the people were very faint, and the people rushed on the spoil and took sheep, oxen, oxen, and calves and slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Hey, look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So he said, So he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here, every man's ox, every man's sheep, slaughter them here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought the ox with him that night and the slaughter and slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord, which was his first altar. 
And then he said, hey, let's go down after the Philistines by night to plunder. <clears throat> well, here, before we get into that. So you find out, right, that at the end of the day, dude, people are freaking like ravenous. People are starving. And so they're just like straight up eating raw meat. And like, I don't, maybe they're still eating raw meat. I don't know. They just drain the blood out of it. I don't know. But like people are going crazy because they're so hungry. And that's just like the the proof that it's like Saul's decisions aren't made out of like being in touch with his people. Like, he's just like, oh, it's not a big deal for you guys not to eat. <laughs> it's just like, maybe you should try being us for a little while, buddy. <clears throat> but Jonathan got it because he was, he was in touch, in tune. So now here's where it gets really funny. And <clears throat> so Saul's like, hey, let's go down at the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning. Right now, Saul, who was just chilling under the pomegranate tree, now this guy's like, he's like amped up. He's ready. And he's still out of tune and out of touch with people. But he's like, hey, let's go chase these guys all night long and get some plunder. <clears throat> and they said, hey, do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, hey, let's draw near to God. And so Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among the people answered him. Right? So Saul's trying to figure out, it's like, all right, he seeked God, God didn't answer. So he's like, all right, somebody sinned. And he's like, look, if it was with, even if it was with Jonathan, like, he'll die. We'll kill him. <clears throat> and nobody said anything. And I think that statement says that people knew exactly what the problem was, but nobody was going to say anything. Um, then he said to Israel, uh, yeah. So he told people, Israel, hey, you guys go on one side and me and Jonathan will go on the other side. People said, bam, let's do it. Then, um, then Saul said to the Lord, he said, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, uh, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, cast lots between me and John. And John was taken. And Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. It's funny that they could just kind of go through all these motions when John probably knew exactly what had happened. Jonathan told him, yeah. right? So Saul's like, hey, tell me what's crap. Well, like, what happened? <clears throat> He's like, <clears throat> I only tasted a little honey with the end of my rod uh, that was in my hand. And now I must die. And Saul's like, God, do so and more also, for you shall surely die. Like, this is Saul's leadership right here. <clears throat> he makes this stupid oath, and now he's ready to kill his son. But see, here's where you see, like, <clears throat> the tale of two leaders. Because then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not a hair on his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the, the Philistines, and the Philistines went uh, to their own place. So it's like, <clears throat> you see the difference of uh, relationship that Saul has 
with the people versus Jonathan, right? Jonathan has increased in influence, and you see that, right? Nobody ratted him out when when they were like, hey, who sinned? Everybody kept silent because no one's going to... Jonathan just did all this crazy stuff. Nobody's going to rat him out. Then they take him by law, and Saul's like, bam, he's going to die. And the people are like, what? And so the people rise up against Saul and says, no, that decision is wrong, and he's not going to die. And so that just shuts down the operation there, and everybody goes back to their way. You, they, they, they say there's, um, there's really two types of leaders. There's effective and ineffective, and you don't have too much in between. And it's like Jonathan's approach was very effective. And you see that, right? What he did, God responded to. What he did, people then rallied behind him. What he did caused people to, hey, want to protect him and save him. What Saul did was sit and wait. What Saul did was like, hey, we're behind the curve. What Saul did was like, was disconnected and, and, and created like unnecessary blowback for the people. What Saul did was try to kill his son. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you want to look at like cause and effect, right? I think, I think everybody wants to, you know, there's this quote by Grant Cardone. It's like, everybody wants to be the cause, but most people are just the effect. Because it takes push to be the to to be the cause, right? Well, Saul's more just like <clears throat> Saul's Saul's actions are are the effect. So it's like you know, an, like the you know, for his initiation, right? Like an army seeks to take over a territory. All right, so that's the cause. So the effect is that Saul rises up. Then Jonathan attacks a garrison. All right, that's that's the cause. So then the effect is, hey, you know, Saul calls for all the for the army to be gathered. All the people start fleeing, right? That's the cause. So then the effect is Saul tries to uh, um, make the sacrifice on his own. Then Jonathan goes out and starts fighting against, you know, once the Philistine army's out there, Jonathan goes out and starts fighting against the, the garrison and creates this, you know, God responds and creates this great confusion that then brings about victory. All right, well, that's that's the cause. So the effect is that then Saul's uh, watch out sees, <laughs> hey, there's this stuff going on. So Saul's like, all right, bam, let's all go saddle up the ponies and let's ride, right? Like everything Saul does is the effect of somebody else's actions. You know, it, it's it's easier, I think, sometimes, like if you were just going to go run around and put out fires. Like it's easier to put out fires that somebody else initiates, but it's it's more challenging to start a fire inside your own guts based on purpose and mission and then push forward, right? Like that's what Jonathan's doing. But the two of them, you know, you end up with totally different uh, results. And that's because it's like leadership... Leadership isn't a position. Many people get a position and should not be in that position, right? So it's like position isn't the thing that, like, makes you a leader. Attitude is the thing that makes you a leader. Jonathan wasn't king, but he was, he was next in line to be king. 
But Jonathan acted like a leader. And I think, you know, you look at like Jonathan's attitude and his actions, and it's like you can see why him and David were so close, right? Because they were so similar. Like they were both just dudes of courage, of action, of like, hey, no, man, good. this is what God's going to do. Let's go prove it. Like God's going to show up, so let's go take action. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Saul's leadership style was more of a selfish approach, and Jonathan, you know, was was fueled by selflessness. So, so being more selfless and putting others before him, and kind of thinking, you know, a good leader thinks of the group as a whole, or the the, the mission as a whole, and how it affects other people. Whereas Saul was kind of just like, how does this affect me? And so that doesn't lead you into any real action, especially in a in a situation where there's a lot of pressure and, and a lot of terrible things that could happen. Um, when you're thinking about how does this affect me, it, that that doesn't push you to, to cause anything. <laughs> so but when you're thinking about how does this affect other people, now there's this pressure of like these people's lives are at stake or these people's whatever happens could affect these people. Now it pushes you to choose a direction. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of sometimes we, we think like, oh man, these my boss or this leader is, is really selfish or whatever, and why are they in this position? But it's like, well, they probably won't be there very long. Like selfishness <laughs> always gets found out, and and uh, but selflessness is always, you know, like like by your fruit you'll know them, or by their fruit you'll know them. And so, I think it's you know the fruit of a leader is evident. Yeah, yeah. There's this um, <clears throat> in the book uh, extreme ownership. I think it's a chapter and it's like, there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. And, um, Mm. and so I think this, um, there was this buds class buds is like, you know, it's like the, I don't know, pre prerequisite to become a Navy seal. And so I don't know, it's six or nine months of, of just kind of like grueling, like intense physical and mental, like, beat down you know it's like one do you have the the physical stamina but then two do you have the mental stamina because like day in and day out they're just like freaking beating you down trying to get you to quit and um anyway so and like one of their um kind of regular evolutions they have is they have um they break people down into these boat crews and they have the like these like big rubber boats that um i I don't know there's quite a few of them in in a boat and, you know, they got to do all kinds of crazy stuff with those boats. They got to, like, they have to hold them up. They have to, you know, <clears throat> the boat sits on their head. And, you know, it's just, like, just physical beatdown. Well, anyways, there was uh, they also, like, go out into the ocean, and they have to, like, uh, paddle around and, and do these, like, uh, like, a, like, a loop or a course or whatever. And so there was these, these I mean, there's, quite a bunch of there are quite a few boat crews but there's these two that are standing out because this one is getting first place every single time and this other boat crew is getting last every single time and they're like look you do not want to stand out in in buds right like you they they were talking talking about like you want to be the gray man like you don't you don't want to be too good or too bad because you you don't want attention from the cadres because that just equals like beat down. So if you're, they, you know, they got this mantra, Hey, it pays to be a winner. And, um, so anyways, 
so you got this one boat crew, right, who's like constantly winning. They're just jamming. They they got these guys are working together, making it happen. This other boat crew, just total and utter failure. Not working together. You know, I think the the leader's just yelling and and nothing's happening. So it's like, you know, they just kind of talk about like you know, the 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 leader of the bow crew who's losing is probably thinking, hey man, I just need a better team. Like my team sucks. Like if I just had a better team, we could be better. If my team wasn't so pathetic, we can make this happen. I need a different team. So the cadres, this one guy, he's like, he's got this idea. He's like, hey, watch, check this out. He said, um, <clears throat> let's switch the leaders of the two boat crews. We'll take the guy who's the leader of the boat who's constantly winning and we'll put him with the boat crew that's constantly losing and we'll put the leader who's losing with the boat crew that's winning. And so they did that. And so the outcome was that the boat crew who was losing but now got the the better leader, now they're constantly neck to neck with the other boat crew. Like those two are just like gutting it out for first place like the rest of the day. And so, you know, the guy who's who was in charge of the lose the losing boat crew, you know, is probably thinking, oh man, bam, you know, I'm doing well because I have a better team. But the problem was that, like it wasn't it wasn't the team's fault, it was the leader's fault. And, which is why like the boat crew who was last is now like neck and neck for first, is because the leadership changed. It's just like th- <laughs> that concept, like there's no bad teams, only bad leaders, is like is a real concept. And it's like, that's like, that's like, a, that's, it's a bit of a challenge, like to suck that up, that principle up as like a leader of a team. It's like, Oh freak. You know, if, if junk goes down, that's on you. There's no bad teams, right. only bad leaders. And it's just, that's, that's it. And you see that, you know, ish, you know, in this approach of Jonathan versus Saul, like your results like the effectiveness of your leadership is is like clearly displayed. There's no hiding <laughs> yeah. what goes on. The other thing you can get is like you, you know, you get a bad leader or somebody in a position who has no business being in the position, and you'll find that the the team is the one carrying the leader versus like everybody working together to yeah. push forward. Right. Yeah, a tale of two leaders. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, leadership is all about attitude, about perspective. Leadership has never been a position. (laughs) I mean, Jonathan's not king, but he's acting like he is. Yeah, not in like a crazy way, but just like in a, like he's taking responsibility and ownership, and Saul's more just kind of like wait and see kind of guy. Yeah, totally. Well, sweet. Well, we'll see. Maybe next week we'll break into because um, Saul's just about to. Saul's about to make another mistake, which is not only going to cost him, like, you know, like the kingdom being passed down to his his son, 
that he's about to lose the kingdom altogether <laughs> with this next mistake. Because <laughs> again, man, Saul's just, man, he, he's not the cause, he's the effect. So it's like, depending on what happens with the, like the situation depends on what he does. And so he's, he's supposed to kill this king and he ends up not doing it and he's supposed to destroy all the plunder and he doesn't do it and loses himself. But yeah, and then we'll break into um, David and Goliath because we'll see another picture of uh, Saul <laughs> waiting and seeing and the negative impact that has and then David showing up and just freaking ready to rock and roll and then the, the impact that that has. Yeah. For shiz. Sweet. Well, my good peoples, that is us. Until next time.